Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 63 of Law School in Brief, hosted by Lydia and Megan, future Esquires. As our devoted listener, Laszlo, has written in to remind us that we get to add Esquire to the end of our names. But but the the biggest question is, will we? I mean, hell yeah. Are you going to be Lydia (laughs) Esquire? Um. Why not? Okay, so so this was this was the content of what Laszlo wrote in. Um, that after we pass the bar, you can add ESQ period, which stands for Esquire, after your name. Though I don't see many people doing that, and I think that they're right. I think you know not everyone will do that because it's kind of pretentious. But I might do it. Why not? I don't know. What about you? Um, probably not. But be- only because it reminds me of. So when I um. Was when I was a wee lass, uh, but we're talking like maybe late elementary school, early middle school age. I used to watch the um, the city like the town hall meetings at the um, in our local Amazing. community online, or it wasn't online; it was actually on the TV at that point. And there was this one guy who I'm pretty sure his name was Laszlo Waters. I don't know, or maybe I'm making that up, but he had a wild name and he would, he was kind of nuts and he would get up. He was like one, that person who would show up and just sort of like mouth off at city officials, like for no apparent reason, but great. He, he would announce himself and let's just say his name was Laszlo Waters. It was something like, like Laszlo Waters, the third Esquire. You would always say his name like that. And I was like, oh my gosh, who is this guy? And then he'd, you know, he'd get up there with his notes about stop signs and speed bumps and just like a lot. But that's going to be me. That's going to be me. That's going to be you? I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> oh, man. Very good. Well, Lydia, again, it's been I... two weeks. Again, my fault. But now. It's over. The moot court competition is done. I'm free. That's just great. And I have turned in my journal note as well. I feel like the semester's actually starting. I don't know. It's like when you have a big thing like that, that the deadline is finally over. Right. All this free time we, we didn't once have has now been made available. Yes. And your uh, argument is going to be the topic of today's episode, right? That Yes, that's right. So now that the competition is officially over, um, I forget if we talked about this on the air last time, but Lydia and I, right before we recorded the last episode, read over the tournament rules, and there was some ambiguous language around essentially practicing and receiving outside help with one's oral argument. And we couldn't quite figure out if we, if we thought that me doing my argument on air would constitute a uh, a breach of the rules. So mm-hmm. we kind of just decided to err on the side of caution. Now that the competition is done. I can say, I can say whatever I want. No, yes. I mean, within reason, <laughs> but I, I can now very confidently share with all of you the content of the argument um, and the problem. And I think it'll be, it'll be fun. Hopefully I don't bore you. No. Oh my gosh. No, I want to hear it. Are you going to do both sides? No, we don't have 30 minutes. (laughs) 
no, 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 no. I'm just going to be doing the, the issue that I argued on and I'll do it in an abbreviated way. Okay. Um, and before I jump into it, I'll give you and the listeners the backstory on what the problem is, like the setup, um, and invite you to just like ask me any questions, like fully interrupt me when I'm talking to ask me questions. So that way we can simulate what it would be like. Okay. Almost. Okay. Yeah, Great. absolutely. Should we do that first? Should we do highs and lows? I only have two really little updates as a, aside from highs and lows. Oh no, let's do updates. I need to, I need to warm my speaking. Oh, <laughs> my speaking up. I almost said my speaking breath. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I need to warm the vocal cords. That's right. Yeah. Um, my personal law school update is that I also dropped natural resources law, which is pretty relevant to what I'm interested in. So that was unfortunate, but it was Ooh. really late in the day. It was like from four to five thirty, two days a week. And that not that that's the only reason to drop a class, but I guess I was thinking like, why am I not doing the minimum number of credit hours this semester? Like if it's hard for me to pay attention in this class that I am interested in and it's kind of like messing up the flow of my day and I'm in an online semester, why not just take that next year? Like hoping we'll be in person, you know? And like, what if this is the last semester of Zoom Law? Why not just do the absolute bare minimum and do it well and just try to make life easier for myself? So you know, I'm in 12 credit oh, sorry, hours. Go ahead. Oh yeah, like I'm in 12 credit hours, which is our minimum. Last semester I was in 17 Ooh. and it feels much different. <laughs> I don't know how I would, I don't think I'd be able to do 17 again this year not back to back maybe next year if I have to or something but right yeah that kind of reminds me of of what my my meh is oh, um okay yeah so like you kind of forecasting what you're going to be taking next year and, and like using that to inform what you're doing right now mm-hmm. so I'm in I am registering for my spring classes tomorrow and I like worked mm-hmm. out everything I wanted to take but then it really hit me like after this, I only have one trimester of law school left. And Holy so shit. I'm in a position where I have to be like really um, strategic about what I'm taking. Mm. And the big question that's vexing me currently is whether I should take summer school classes or not. Because as it, as it is, I could take, I could take all bar tested classes and like finish all of that, but then I wouldn't have any room to take like even one fun quote unquote law school mm-hmm. class. But then like, so I've heard multiple, I've heard different p- wisdoms about this. So like an upperclassman told me like under no circumstances, should you take secured transactions? Like it's really hard. It'll drag <laughs> your GPA down. Um, and you know, like the, the professor's impossible. And okay. so um, that's the intel you need from the upperclassman. Everyone- right befriend befriend but, but more importantly she said on the bar there are very few secured transaction questions so if you're gonna like not take a bar tested class that would be the one to take but then i met with my actual faculty advisor and she was like when are you taking secured transactions and i was like huh. i was kind of planning never and she's like no 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 like you you have to take it 
So but not going into corporate law. I mean, is it just important for trust and estates? Because there's think like she, I think she's talking about it from a, a bar perspective. I think she also is was like low key traumatized because when she took the bar, one of the essay questions she got was the secured transactions question, oh, okay. which is for listeners wow. apparently very rare. Like that yeah. that that is not typical. And so she was impressing upon me the need to take secured transactions. And now I'm second guessing like the whole, <laughs> my whole like forecasted um, course schedule from here until December. So what about if you, um, I mean, assuming that you're going to do a bar prep class, because that seems like for some reason, even though we all go through law school, we all also do a bar prep course. I don't know if you're going to do that, but yeah. So I'm, I'm taking actually Elon offers bar prep courses like that you can take for credit. So, okay. Everyone who's listening to that, you should just know that that's amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. (laughs) And (laughs) that's amazing. I think so too. And so they actually might not be doing it next year. And that was like a piece of insider info I got. I don't think I'm like breaching any confidences by saying that. Um, so I'm doubling down and I'm going to take two of them this upcoming trimester. Okay. But then additionally, I will be taking Themis's bar prep course. So. Oh, because you are a rep. Because I'm a rep, baby. Okay, excellent. Well, I was yeah. just going to say like, and maybe maybe looking at the Themis comment, content, like if you have access to that now, like if it seems like something you can teach yourself based on that material or if you look at the material and you're like I don't even know what this is <laughs> you know then you know right. if you have to take a class because if it's that's like a not tested that much and you could teach yourself you know 70% of it without taking the class then so that might be the you know what I mean what if you weren't would you be doing summer classes in addition to a summer internship or would you yeah. be just Oh. <laughs> and that's the thing too. So oh. I'm, as you know, I'm very excited about my summer internship yeah. in Boone. Yeah. Um, and I have kind of a pros and cons list. It's pretty short, but the pros of taking two summer school classes would be I would have access to financial aid, um, mm-hmm. which is pretty clutch because my internship only pays like thirty five hundred dollars for the whole summer. Um, yeah. And then additionally, you know, it's an opportunity to boost my GPA. Yeah. Theoretically, <laughs> you know, if I, <laughs> if I, if I did really well, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but then cons would just be having to take classes while I'm working full time in. And also what I realized is this summer is going to be like my last break, quote unquote, before I take the bar. Jeez. So if I ended up taking classes in the summer, I essentially would be like pedal to the metal now until February 21st, 2022. I don't, I gotta say, I don't, I don't like the sound of that. Right. And you would, you would be doing all that just to make sure you could fit secure transactions into. Kind of. Yeah. Secure transactions Mm -hmm. and remedies are the two that I am told I really need to take and remedies. I agree with. Um, I I don't know. I guess my concern is like, if the professor isn't good, then you're going to be teaching it to yourself anyways. Well, I will be so, teaching it to myself anyway because the the summer course. Sorry to interrupt you, but the summer course is asynchronous, so it's all recorded. Okay. So, like, so why not just teach yourself later or like on your own time? 
Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I think you need more input from just those two data points. That's yeah. My, and this, no, but this got me thinking too. Like you, you're saying, teach yourself, teach yourself. I'm thinking you're right. I could pay Elon, you know, thousands of dollars to take secure transactions on an asynchronous recorded basis, or I could let Themis do that for me for free because I'm a rep. Right. Okay. Okay. Now we're like getting somewhere with my, <laughs> but that doesn't really solve my summer funding problem. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe there are more scholarships that don't require you to be taking classes. I don't know, but that's a good point. Like financially. Yeah. But there are some fun, fun er looking summer school classes. I think um, one of them is like a first amendment speech class and then there's like a first amendment religion class uh which like i would even if that was asynchronous i think that that's the kind of stuff i would much rather spend my free time like wrestling with and thinking about from a constitutional perspective so we'll see everything you just said i just feel like so impressed by you what (laughs) just just you being like oh yeah over the summer i would much rather be like taking the constitutional perspective on like a religious freedom and stuff. And I'm like, Oh my God, Megan is just so <laughs> a scholar. You're a scholar. Oh, Lydia, you flatter me. You flatter me. Okay. But I just effectively derailed you from telling me and the listeners about your, your updates and your highs and your lows. I was like, let me talk about my Miz. No, but the, those are, but, but no, it was perfect. Um, because sometimes we just like sometimes mez are like the throwaway to get us between highs and lows, which is the drama everyone wants to know about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I'm glad that it could it could get its its proper place. But that no, that was my only update for myself. I have a, a different update um, for the listeners, oh. which is that Cass, who was on episode 40 about yes. fighting white supremacy as law students. She has started her own podcast with our friend Simone, who is also a WashU like gem, one of my favorites. Their podcast is called Legally Black. Black is in all caps. There's a different podcast, Legally Black, that's in sentence case, not in all caps. Um, so, when you, I mean, when you when you search it, you'll know the one that's in sentence case is not by two law students. Um, so their tagline is. What do you get when you put two black women with a talent for talking at a top 20 law school? Simone and Cass are on a mission to break down the law and make it accessible while talking pop culture, current events, music, food, and best of all, being black. So I have listened to their episodes. Um, I really love, it seems like the pattern is that Cass always has a music recommendation and Simone always has a recipe recommendation. And I was like, wow, that is cool. We, we, do not have a nice non-law takeaway for our listeners like that ever. No, no, <laughs> so no. I thought that was really cool um, to just think about something that's not law related. Oh, I love this. And it just, ah. it, it makes me wonder if, if Cass would ever consider being my friend. <laughs> She's so cool. <laughs> yeah. So that's cool too. So it's fun to listen to them. Um, and I have just been doing a lot of listening this week. I joined uh, Clubhouse I know okay. everyone's on that shit, but it is like just so great. I went to a conversation about sandwiches, um, a conversation um, where it was called NYU Girls Roast Tech 
guys and like tech guys just entered the convo to ask out NYU women and they would either accept them or shoot them down. There wasn't enough roasting in my opinion, but anyways, anyways, that's just to say this new audio based social media app clubhouse. I do have some more invites listeners. It is an app that's invite only right now. You know, it's not as cool as they're saying it is a time suck and it's less organized than podcasts and whatever. But if, uh, I mean, this this podcast is about making things accessible to people, uh, like legal knowledge. But if you also just want a invite to that app, just email me. Um, yeah, Lydia sent me. Lydia sent me an invite yesterday, and I I did get sucked down um, just like the the rabbit hole of all the different types of uh, chat rooms. They are actually like properly chat rooms. You are chatting. You are listening to people talk. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. And I gotta say, it's, it is pretty addictive. It is pretty addictive. Um, when I downloaded the app, it prompted me to sync with my contacts to see who already had a Clubhouse account. Yeah. And it was startling to me, the skeletons that, I mean, it dredged up from my contact list. <laughs> I will also say, I got a new phone last month, and when I went to AT&T to, like, move you know like sync my old phone with my new phone yeah the dude helping me was like wow you just set the new record for the amount of contacts i'm like yes. what he was like i've literally never seen anybody with 887 contacts yes. <laughs> like, Megan, they tell me that too i just never delete a contact like, well, why what if i need yeah, to contact you know, if they contact me quite social like, exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> anyway yeah i was like looking i mean and it and everybody has, you know, their picture associated with their profile. And so there were people who I'm sure I've like met drunk at a bar. Or I just got their phone number. <laughs> and I was like staring at this one person's image for the longest time. I'm like, where do I know her from? And then it, I ended up getting it. But it was like I met her. She was sitting behind me at like a feminist like poetry slam that was being yes. held in the back room of a comic book shop off Santa Monica Boulevard. And I happened to overhear her saying she worked at Planned Parenthood. So I started talking to her and we exchanged contact info, but why, was like, why do I still have, should I connect with her on, on clubhouse? Should we start chatting about women's rights to choose? This sounds very fun. Absolutely. Anyway. Absolutely. Yeah. So those are kind of my, my updates is just a lot of good listening and you know uh any law school podcast is probably worth a listen just to see what what other people are talking about but especially legally black yeah i look forward to giving that a listen are they by any chance on clubhouse Ooh, i don't know mm. but um we should invite them we should make a law student club on clubhouse I don't know how I to make it, Bob. I, I need to look that up. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Do you have any non-highs and lows updates? Um, Well, yeah, sure. I mean, like, so I think I've already kind of touched on some of the things, but I picked my my classes for the spring. Oh, okay. No, but you didn't tell us what you picked. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. So I'm taking criminal procedure, um, family law, the second installation of constitutional law, which is all about the limits of the constitution. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. The, at Elon, they break it up um, into two separate trimesters. The first trimester you talk about the powers and then the second mm -hmm. trimester you talk about the limits. And then I'm going to take two bar prep courses. So oh, yeah, that sounds that, great. 
I originally wanted to take negotiations instead of criminal procedure, but my faculty advisor talked me out of it. <laughs> yeah, she said crim pro is like really highly tested on the bar, which, mm. you know, I've heard. Um, and I just negotiation sounds like so much fun. Yeah. But at the same time, another thing that you have to consider when signing up for classes right now is what classes are going to be in person versus which are online versus which are a hybrid. And I learned my lesson. Like I need to look at the format because taking con law last trimester in a hybrid mm-hmm. situation was the worst school experience I think I've ever had. Um, <laughs> so I was like, I had my little list out and I was writing the classes that sounded interesting. The ones I like should take the ones I want to take you know, the dates and times that they met, how many credits they were, and then what, like what format it was. Mm. And I kind of came to the realization that like, I think no matter which way I cut the cake, I'm going to have to go in person for school. Um, yeah. Cause con law is all in person, meaning it would oh. be a hybrid for me if I was online. Okay. Um, family law is being taught by an adjunct professor who mm. I cannot figure out if like, I know that, that this professor has like a physical classroom. So I think that they'll be holding class in person and also doing hybrid. Jeez. And if like full-time faculty members can hardly figure out how to make hybrid work, I do not know how an adjunct professor will be able to. (laughs) Um, And then criminal procedure, I think is all online. So like if I go to school, it will only be a few days a week and it will only be to take the classes and then go home. Okay. But yeah. And you know, now that I've kind of like got stepped back into the world because I have to be on my residency, it, it's like less scary to me. That's um, wild. I'm still like still in full quarantine mode. I'm not not ready. Well, I mean, this is probably a good segue to me uh letting the listeners know that I am currently quarantining because one of the attorneys at the firm that I'm doing my residency at tested positive for COVID on Saturday night. So um, we, the law firm has been shut down for the next three days, at least through Wednesday and everybody had to get COVID tested. And I got my test done yesterday. They scraped my brain. (laughs) (laughs) I I feel like I still feel that Q-tip up Uh in my face. Um, It was like behind my eyes. It was so high up. Oh, Um, but now, you know, I don't have any, I don't have any symptoms, but I also could not in good conscience like use this time to like go do fun stuff. So of course I'm just hanging out at home in my PJs. I'm just, I just remember the last time we talked, you were like, I'm going to do the competition and then pour myself a big glass of wine. But instead what happened is do the competition next day. Your power Same went day. Up, right? oh. And... And you and you like had to get tested for COVID and like a yep. snowstorm came in or something. And yep. I, I'm just like worried about you. <laughs> like, have you gone to like relax at all? Okay, this is the you, the way that you have aligned the timeline is 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 very correct. So, I the moot court competition started on Friday, and for me it ended on Saturday because my team didn't advance, which is fine. Um, but on Friday and Saturday, Greensboro was experiencing an ice storm, which I've never in my life experienced. Um, and I've decided it's my least favorite form of weather (laughs) because so, so 
I think it was, was it Friday or Saturday? One of the days. Um, oh, okay. It must've been Saturday. So on Friday I go to school to do my oral arguments, like in the courthouse there, there, there's a courtroom at Elon law, like an active business law courtroom. Um, that we reserved for the weekend so we could do our oral arguments, you know, without distractions of like pets or like noises mm. and stuff. So then I, I get home and uh, Adam and I have like a, a relaxing enough night. And then I wake up on Saturday and um, at like 7 a.m. our power goes out because the ice had frozen all of the power lines. I mean, it's so beautiful. Like all the limbs of the trees. Yeah. I mean, it looks like Christmas. Yeah. Um, but it's incredibly destructive. So like all the power lines are frozen <laughs> and the weight of the ice on the trees was causing huge limbs to crash, like crash into people's homes, like block oh, roadways. I mean, just like massive destruction. So I'm in the shower when the power goes out and I'm like, fuck, because I have to be on camera doing my oral argument in like an hour or so. Yeah. Right. So I like throw all my stuff together. Adam drives me to school and I fully blow dried my hair in the North Carolina central district court business courtroom. I mean, talk about unprecedented. (laughs) This is great. I'm loving this. Yeah. I'm like wearing, I'm wearing leggings and boots and then like a very fancy turtleneck and a blazer and I'm blow drying my hair in the courtroom next to like the clerk's desk. My, co- my co-counsel Riley was just cracking up. He's like, this is out <laughs> of control. <laughs> like, what? But we didn't have power at our house for the whole day on Saturday, <laughs> which sucked. That uh, must have been so cold. Unless it was so you have natural cold. Gas heat? Does so, that work? Electricity is out? No, it doesn't. Really? Um, okay. But luckily Adam spent winter break um, converting our gas fireplace into a wood burning fireplace. So he like hero. I mean, seriously, he go and he got a chainsaw for Christmas. So he goes out to our friend Lily's farm. I don't know if you could call it a farm. It's more land. I've talked about it on the podcast before 37 acres in Northern North Carolina. Um, anyway, he goes out to her, her place and cuts down trees, um, which is really beneficial for everyone because they live in a yurt. And the yurt is exclusively heated by firewood. Amazing. So we have a lot of firewood. Lily and her partner, Jenny, have a lot of firewood. And it really came in handy on Saturday. So Does he to answer the trees? Because I have a tree that's like needs to be cut down. I know I'm pretty far from y'all, but... Like just... all the way cut down? Yeah. It's like dead. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't climb the trees to cut them down. Um, but you just right at the base, you just... And it falls I, over. I think so. I mean, he has like this other this other piece of equipment that like has a really high reach, and so he'll cut limbs oh. down. Oh, okay. And then eventually, like, fell the tree completely, and then he'll cut that up. Amazing. Yeah. Anyway, we went lumberjack podcast for a little bit, and I like that. No, it's, <laughs> it's like the unaware lumberjack. Like, I, I I couldn't tell you any of the actual words. The fact that I can say like Adam is felling trees makes me feel Mm. like I know what I'm talking about, but I'm really just mimicking words I've heard him say. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's so badass. I'm so so glad you have some source of heat. 
Yeah, me too. Me too. And on top of that, um, listeners, I Adam and I adopted not one but two dogs. So yeah, I know. How did that happen? I just saw that it did happen on the Instagram. Right. But what's the what's about what what was the like prompting? So you know that we've or at least I was very keen on getting a second dog. An elder pug, if I remember. An elder pug, preferably. But, (laughs) like, I wasn't going to be discriminatory. Of course. Um, So, a couple weekends ago, Adam and I met this dog that Adam fell in love with. And he was like, if we could find a dog like this, I would want a second dog. So, that reignited my quest. You were like, would you now? I mean, it was like the first (laughs) time I heard him kind of, like, affirmatively. Because before, he was just going along with my bullshit. He's like, yeah, Okay. okay, like, whatever. Um, and after the, the week that we had whiskey, I think everybody was kind of sour to the idea of a second dog. Right. Whiskey is the name of a dog for, uh, for folks. Yes. Yes. <laughs> whiskey is a dog that we quote unquote trialed for a week and it quote unquote went very poorly. So, <laughs> um, so anyway, I'm back on pet finder, you know, just like browsing, browsing, browsing. I sent an inquiry about this dog named Odin who lives out in Lenore, North Carolina, which is like closer to Asheville, sort of in the foothills of the mountains. Um, the people at the the pet network hit me back. They're like, Odin's already like taken, but um, based on your application and all the things that you said that you're looking for, we have this other dog named Brenna who we think would be great. Aww. So I'm like, all right. And I, I'm talking Brenna up to Adam. I'm like, this will be good. This dog is like, I think this dog is the dog. And he's like, yeah, I'm not going to be excited about a dog that like, I've just seen a picture of, like I have to meet the dog. Okay. So anyway, we drive out to Lenore, we bring Leon and we meet Brenna. Ooh, and like bringing, bringing Leon's clutch because Leon had not met whiskey until he brought yes. whiskey. Okay. Yes. I we had to see how these dogs like interacted right. with each other. So we get there, we meet this woman, Lisa, who I'd been emailing with. Lisa immediately is just so like, like she is the person I would want to put my, my dog's life in her hands. Like she is, she is so firm, but nurturing. And like, I just envied her. So anyway, she introduces us to Brenna and then she has this whole thing. It's like, she's going to walk with Brenna. We're going to walk with Leon side by side just so they get a vibe of each other. And then like slowly we'll kind of let them like sniff each other, feel them out. Mm. Brenna is gorgeous. Brenna is a plot hound, which is the North Carolina state dog. Oh, they are, I did not know that. Yeah. They are bred to hunt black bears. If you can believe that. What? Which is kind of terrifying. I was like, this dog is going to be so hyper and athletic and with a high prey drive. But yeah. Brenna is like the opposite of all of those things. She, she, so Lisa had fostered Brenna for the last year and Lisa has like six dogs and five cats. So Brenna likes cats. She likes other dogs. Brenna had puppies last year. So she's like a mom. I mean, she's, she's two. Anyway, so we love Brenna, right? We're like pretty much sold on this dog. But then Lisa's like, now I just want you to meet one other dog because. Oh, yeah, Lisa's good, man. Yeah. Oh, she's, oh, man, she could sell me anything, this woman. So she's like, I just want you to meet this one other dog. You know, she she's the other dog that's been living at my house. So she's my other foster. And I think, you know, she would be a little bit more of a project because she's shyer. But, you know, she also likes other dogs, likes cats, but she just takes a while to warm up. Okay. So then she brings out this dog named Maggie, who is like this 30-pound little meatball. 
like lab pit bull mix. And Maggie is like super sweet, but super timid, like kind of hiding behind Lisa's legs um, with her tail between her legs, just kind of shivering. But, you know, she'll walk with you. And she was friendly with Brenna because they knew each other. And then she just looked up at me with these eyes. And it was like, in that moment, she transferred from Lisa to me. Like, Lisa handed me the leash. And Maggie has been by my side nonstop ever since. Like, oh my God. So, anyway, Adam and I were like, Lisa's so good. So, Lisa then takes Leon away and she says, I'm going to just leave Maggie and Brenna with the two of you and you guys can have a conversation. And, you know, no pressure. You don't even feel, don't, don't feel pressure to leave with anyone today. You know, sometimes yeah, I know you got to think about it. Lisa's so, good. Adam and I are walking around, walking these two dogs, and Adam looks up at me and he goes, I think we take both. <laughs> And I'm so glad he said that because I was kind of thinking the same thing. Like, how could I pick? These dogs are both perfect. Aww. So we we brought them both home. And it, it's been so great because they, they're not a bonded pair, but they're obviously friends. Mm-hmm. And they're like, they're both about two years old and they have a very similar temperament. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we renamed each of them. So, so Brenna, the plot hound is now Wren, like W-R-E-N, like the bird. Oh, and then Maggie has be, been renamed to Midge, love it, <laughs> which is like way more her personality because she's just she's a little couch potato. Like she just wants to be right next to you at all times. Like sleeping, she kind of snores. She's so cute. I love anyway, it. so your power went out, but you had plenty of body heat from our your power went out. But we cat. right, we just like dragged all pet beds in front of the fire and just like hung out. <laughs> That's so nice. Okay, so your post moot court competition relaxation kind of happened. Yeah, it did. It did kind of happen. Aww. Yeah, that's a great update. I'm loving this. <laughs> Me too. I'm actually I'm looking at Midge from where I'm sitting right now, and she's just curled up on the couch next to Adam, and Adam's working on his knot tying. He got a knot tying kit. <laughs> oh, it's very wholesome here. You'd think that yeah. we're like living in like you know rural. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're like homesteading. Yes, <laughs> that's what Adam said. Um, so that that's my like non my very long winded non law school life update. I have heard from multiple listeners that they really like the non law related updates. So oh, don't feel guilty about that at all. Oh, very good. Well. I have one more update that is more law school related. Oh, okay. Um, before we like turn it over to you or turn it over to me to like talk about moot court. But okay. um, so have you ever heard of the junior league? Absolutely. Okay. I had never heard of the junior league before. Maybe it's just a North Carolina thing. It's not. It's national. Oh. I oh. looked this up. <laughs> okay. So I would be so curious to know what your thoughts and opinions are. But first for the listeners, let me explain this. Um, so I have a classmate named Mary Beth, shout out Mary Beth, um, who also has a plot hound. <laughs> but that's beside the point. Are y'all going to go hunt bears together or what? Oh yeah. She already was like, when are we meeting up to like have a plot hound hangout? I'm like, <laughs> when I, when I for sure don't have COVID. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so Mary Beth posted on Instagram last week that something like, you know, next week the junior league of Greensboro is having their like, annual informational spritzer 
you all should attend. And then on the next slide, she kind of said like joining the junior league was the best thing I've done in 2020. Like I highly recommend it. And Mary Beth is somebody who's like opinion. I would put, I I put a lot of stake in her opinion. I respect Mm her. Um, I'm like, okay, okay, Mary Beth, let's, let's hear about this junior league thing. So I do some Googling and apparently the junior league is like an organization of women specifically who are committed to like volunteerism. Um, so they're really involved in their local communities and they're, they're, they're trying to like foster and develop the potential of women and improve the community through leadership and volunteerism. You kind of get the point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm Googling it and like, apparently there are like hella really notable women who are, who have been members of the junior league. Um, multiple first ladies of the United States have done this. And on top of that, multiple judges in North Carolina are, are active members of the, of the junior league. So I asked Mary Beth what she thought about it. And she kind of gave me the lowdown. She was like, look, this has been like low key, the, the best networking opportunity on top of everything else, like on top of being volunteer oriented and like, you're getting connected with the community. Like if you want to really network, like this is, it's kind of like networking without the pressure of being a networking event. Like Mm -hmm. you're organically meeting people who are somewhat important in your area. So anywho, I RSVP'd to attend this virtual spritzer tomorrow to hear more about the junior league. And I'm considering joining as like a, a networking opportunity, but also, I mean, just like, you know, doubling down in Greensboro, (laughs) just mm, planting some roots. We'll see. It is, it is national. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, you're investing in your Greensboro network, but in a way that is still connected to a national network. Right, right. That's cool. I'm just like, I have this weird, and this is me being like candid on the record. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe one day I'm going to be the president of the, you know, junior league and this will be funny. Mm-hmm. But right now I'm kind of like hesitant to center volunteer volunteerism around biological sex. Like, this feels almost like a little sorority e, and I never mm. that was never like my jam. Um, yeah. So I'm trying. I was thinking to myself today, you know, if they ask, like, does anyone have any questions? Would it be like obnoxiously trollish of me to say, like, do you admit trans members? <laughs> no, that's certainly not not trollish at all. That's I mean, I would ask it regardless, but it's just. I, I guess this is like the first the first time that I can think of really of living in the South doing something that is like somewhat po- like second wavy. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Great. I, yes. I was like, I think this is where you're going with that. It's very yeah, like, like you took it out of my mouth. Yeah. Like I'm living in the South and I'm doing something. I could potentially be doing something second wavy. So like <laughs> what to expect here? <laughs> well, I can tell you my experience with the junior league. Please. Okay. So there's a junior league of Charlotte. I think their headquarters is right across from this park. I used to go to all the time in a really nice area of town. Um, and from my understanding of what it was as a youngster, it was a group of like upper class women in Charlotte. And so it's interesting to me that they have a virtual spritzer that like anyone can attend because I guess I thought like members of it, 
kind of like invited other people in. And I guess you were invited by a member, so it's not necessarily open to everyone. You have to at least know about it somehow. Um, right. But in Charlotte, they operate a consignment store. They do that... in Greensboro too. Okay. Yeah. And it's like, I think I had heard from one of the volunteers there that like when you're a member of the junior league, you are like required to donate a certain amount of your clothes every year. And so there was a part of me that's like, okay, so you're giving yourself an excuse to like buy new fancy clothes every year. But that Mm. aside, this consignment store was like where you would go as like a working class person if you needed something that looked nice because Goodwill takes so long in Salvation Army as well to like find something that like looks professional but here it's like everything there like looked professional so it was definitely a like handy place to go but not but but like in a way that like reinforced everything that was still in place like there's no need to challenge like looking professional if like you've created a way for for working class people to have access to that to like now you've you've eliminated an excuse for getting rid of it you know it's mm. like and you've like given the wealthy people like a way to feel good about themselves and a reason to buy more clothes that kind of thing that being said i won't say i didn't benefit from it um <laughs> but it, i i think if you're thinking about it as like an attorney who's not working um i think the way you would justify it to yourself i'm pro you checking it out because you can always bail Right. You know? Yeah. So um, I think the way you could see if it worked for you is to see what you can do for people who wouldn't have access to that network from working within it. Like mm. if you have now a stronger network and someone who like is not a lawyer, like maybe they're a paralegal and they've never had like, they literally don't have the resources to even apply to law school and they like want to get a better paralegal job or something. And you're able to ask someone in the network, like if you're able to like take from the junior league and like widen how many people mm. help. That being said, like I would never want that barrier to be around. Like, like if they're not open to, to trans and non-binary people, well, that's, that's that a deal breaker. It's a deal breaker. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I just mean, like, people who maybe just, maybe they don't have the time, they don't have the interest in joining the junior league, like, that's not, you know, but if you do, and you're there networking, and your network is not, if you're not, you if like, so say you're benefiting from, like, the networking for yourself, you're giving back to other people in the junior league, but if you can give just as much to people outside the junior league as you can to the junior league, then I think it's worth it, you know, because you're just increasing your capacity as, like, a human to be effective, and that's fine. Hey, I, okay. Okay, good. I got I got out of this conversation what I hoped to. Like, I'm just, okay. like, trying to put my feelers out there and, like, figure out if I, if this is, like, excessively second wavy or, like, if I could, you know. But anyway, we'll have to see how the mixer goes or the spritzer, rather. Yeah. And I also wonder if, um, if there's anything online that's already been written about their... Um, stance around gender so that maybe Mm. maybe the person who you would be asking the question to would feel like put on the spot or like doesn't know or whatever but um, I could like cite to something and then that person who's just like doesn't know much about (laughs) gender diversity is now accidentally representing the organization poorly um that's not so apologist I'm sorry but 
I am just thinking of like how you can get the best information. Right. And I mean, it would also make, <laughs> you know, there are so many sides to this coin, but I was going to say, if I was able to, if I was able to like point to something that's been written online, mm-hmm. it would make it as though like, it's not, it, it would kind of like take the, uh, what am I trying to say? Take the ownership of the question out of my hands and like, like just open it up to a forum that's like already clearly been like opened right yeah 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 Yeah. okay okay cool well i I will have to i'll have to let you know how it goes yeah you should that's nice i'm glad that that you were invited i'm glad that they're having a virtual spritzer that sounds like very responsible and nice and here's here's open but anywho Enough about me and dogs and and lady clubs. <laughs> what about you? Um, oh man, I just thought of an unpublishable high that I'll have to text you about later. Um, sorry, listeners, uh, it's for my own. Uh, it's for my own an- anonymity. Whatever remains of it. Okay. Um, it remains. Right. <laughs> um. Okay, my first high is that I got a personal visit from reasonable aunt Kathy. The, (laughs) I don't know what episode it was that you introduced reasonable aunt Kathy as a character based on a true story in a tort typo. Um, (laughs) Do you remember? It was was really probably, it had to have been in the first 20. It had to, I'm betting it's probably in the first like 10 episodes. Yeah. So, podcast listeners who've been with us since the beginning like I got to meet reasonable aunt Kathy and um she visited my house the one that I bought um so check that off the bingo card everyone who's following along with Rachel's bingo card um and it was great I she brought me a housewarming present and your uncle I should say just reasonable aunt Kathy um oh yeah some Wisconsin goodies which is truly a treat um I got a Kringle the Danish Kringle uh, the Wisconsin style one, which I've never had. I've only had the almond flavored one, and then some spotted cow beer. Wow, reasonable yeah. Aunt Kathy really knows how to how to show the love and appreciation for the podcast. Absolutely, yeah, it was just great. <laughs> I love it. Um, I'm so jealous that you got to hang out with my aunt and uncle. <laughs> like I don't even get to do that. Oh. That's true. Wow. I am blessed. I also got to chat with Brittany this week. So shout out to Brittany. I mean, any time I get to hang out with your family and friends is a high for me. <laughs> <laughs> and it warms my heart to know, Aww. you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Also, Reasonable and Kathy told me that she enjoys how many of my highs are food-based, which I actually hadn't realized that that was like a pattern of mine. But Reasonable and Kathy, you will be... Happy to hear that another one of my highs this week is food-based in addition to the spotted cow and the Kringle. I got an air fryer. I know I'm a little behind the trend on this, but I just fried up some tofu for lunch and I've got like plans for some cauliflower, um, like a double fried situation. Like you oh. boil it a little bit, let it like cool off, do like the wet and dry like batter and like breadcrumbs air fry it and then you pull it out drench it in barbecue sauce air fry it again oh Gorge. my gosh i want that wait is that like buffalo cauliflower would that kind be that yeah. okay yeah. 
Dang. Oh, my I got, gosh. I got so many plans for this. I'm just excited about it. It's just another toy. My kitchen has a lot of things. Um, but I feel like... Adam, we need an air fryer. <laughs> Maybe we should get married again so we can put it on some sort of <laughs> wedding registry. Well, you know, this has been like a fad and being a little bit behind the fad is good because I, I just bought a used one that like someone was like, I buy those, but ended up never using it. So I got a great deal. I got it for like 30 bucks. Craigslist? Facebook Marketplace? Um, I don't remember. I have to check. But I'm cool. sure that those are both places that you can get a good air fryer. Yeah. I just think it's going to take my cooking to the next level because I've never perfected normal frying. Um, and so even the tofu that I made today, it was like much better than like the tofu that I fry in the pan. It always gets stuck to the pan. Is so. it very even? I, well, yeah, I opened it up the basket and like shook it a couple times. Okay. Yeah. Oh gosh. That sounds so good. Yes. Um, let's see. I, uh, I have another high, like that's also based around humans. I got to chat with a... 3L who last summer interned at the firm I'm going to intern at and um, I just I was having all these questions that were swirling around that were absolutely not important I would have never like emailed anyone at the actual firm to ask them these questions so um, important that you have an insider to ask like those yes. kind of questions it's like is there a water cooler or do I need to like fill my hydro flask before I come into work <laughs> exactly like all of those little things and like one of them was like, how many hours are we expected to do? Like, I was just curious, like, am I, is my summer going to be like working till 10 PM every night? I don't know. Apparently it's not, which is great. And then, you know, I want to know if they have Gmail for business or Outlook or Lotus Notes. I'm just curious. It's not important at all. I just want to be able to envision it like Westlaw or ne Lexus, you know? Well, yeah. Cause then you could like spend the next few months, like using only that, if that's going to be what your firm uses. Exactly. Exactly. Um, apparently they use one of those. I'm not sure how much I'm allowed to <laughs> describe their practices, but, and it's, it's exactly what you were saying in an episode um, about being charged per search, which Ooh. stresses me out so much. Well, just um, use, so, yeah, use Google. Google, Google. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Yes. Oh my God. Thank you, Megan. I need to remember <laughs> this. See, this podcast is so great. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah, I trust me. I was like, okay, as much as I can use Google to get me as close as possible to the right answer, like I'm going to be doing that. Hell yes. Um, it also is so shocking to me. Like I, I just was under the assumption that like every lawyer, like solo practitioner or for, or firm, whichever, would have a subscription to either Westlaw or Lexis. Oh, but so that's expensive. not the case. It's not the case at all. Wow. Yeah. Like, we don't have those things. I have to bring my laptop to the office if I want to access <laughs> Westlaw or Nexus because oh they don't have gosh. it. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> but, you know, I found that, like, when you kind of are narrowing in on your on your practice, so, like, for, for me and my supervising attorney, you know, he does all the family law stuff. Mm -hmm. So rather than have Westlaw or Nexus, um, this – it's sort of like the CLEs really kind of like keep you current and like bridge any informational oh, okay. gaps. Yeah. Um, a CLE for anyone listening, I think stands for continued learning E experience. Or maybe continued legal education. Oh yeah. That sounds right. So, so once, once you become a lawyer um, and you're like paying your yearly dues to the bar, uh, you also have to, 
complete X number of CLEs each year, which just kind of keeps you fresh. It makes sure that like, you know, your legal um, knowledge doesn't stop the year you graduate from law school. Like right. it keeps, it keeps you up to date, which I kind of love. I like look forward to doing CLEs someday. Yeah, me too. We say that now. Let's see how it I know, right? <laughs> I've never heard anybody regard CLEs with excitement. Um, right. So <laughs> this is probably me just being really green. Yeah. No, no. I mean, hey, maybe they'll be cool. Maybe they'll or or what we could do is one of us can lead the CLE and the other one can attend it and be like, "Yep, got my CLE credits." Boom. Love it. Um, <laughs> but yeah. So this this three L like talked to me for an hour, which I thought I like. I had my like short list of questions, and um, I mean, not so short. I added so many things to it. Like for example, I was just I was just curious if the office had. A cafeteria. I was poking around on Reddit and stuff, and I saw that like the main office has a cafeteria, but what about the New York office? Do they have a cafeteria? Apparently, they don't. See, that's important for me to know. Like, am I going to be packing my lunch? I don't know. Do I need to be planning about these things that are going to happen in like November 2022? No, but I would like to. <laughs> Anyways, um, now that I kind of know like what systems are in place, what's expected of me, all that, I want to start getting used to using like AI features for lawyers. What is um, that? like artificial intelligence, like things that can like streamline some of the repeated tasks, like repeated administrative tasks that take oh. away from your billable hours. Um, I'm very stressed about billable hours just because I don't, because I, I, I end up wasting a lot of time, like either daydreaming or like writing, like thinking of the perfect words to use in an email. So when it comes to like sitting down and like, I don't know, remembering to respond to an email that someone hasn't responded to, for example, like I, I think things are going to fall through the cracks. So um there's some systems like um, Boomerang I've used and I love and like Zapier sounds really cool and Time Miner sounds promising for re- like logging exactly how long I spent doing different tasks. So I just want to like play around with those. Um, and once I understand them, I can do a podcast episode about them because I know our listeners love those organizational episodes. <laughs> yeah, they sure do, weirdos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um those are my highs. Hell yeah. Some good highs. Other highs other than like the dogs and all the things you mentioned. I, I don't I forget if those are your highs or just general updates. I mean they were they're both. Um but I would say that my high is really being done with the moot court competition. Mm. Which is a perfect segue. <laughs> are we ready to segue? Are we missing yeah, anything? I I don't have any Yeah, I don't have any lows because being done with the job search and being done with my journal note are great. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to mm-hmm. say like if anyone is still searching for a job, I have, like, I have, like, so many tabs still open and, like, a spreadsheet. And, I don't know, you can email in on the show's website if you just want, like, another pair of eyes or some, like, brainstorming or whatever. Because it's just, now that I'm done with it, I'm like, oof, I feel like I have a little energy to help other people. It's just the worst, absolute worst part <laughs> of the semester, I think. The biggest distraction from 
from classes. So, well, listeners, I will say you should absolutely take Lydia up on that um, because I don't know if you all remember, but this one time back last summer, uh, I needed to write a cover letter in about five hours. I wrote it, Lydia edited it, and then I got the job the, like the next week. So, <laughs> <laughs> that was all you. That was all you. No, made. oh my God, the edits you made on my cover letter were so good. Uh, yeah, you all should be uh, utilizing Lydia as a tool. Well, yeah. Email us. We get so many emails from robots. They're winning the AI uh, <laughs> race. But robots yeah. and people using pseudonyms like Laszlo. <laughs> <laughs> that's our that's our loyal listener. Yeah, that is certainly one of our most loyal listeners. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, those are my only updates. I am ready. Okay. Here the and so can you remind you remind me of uh, if I'm am I just interrupting you with questions or do I wait? Till certain parts or oh you so okay you are gonna be at, like pretending to essentially be a judge um which means you can you can throw you can try your hardest to throw me off interrupt me ask me questions whatever oh but, my gosh okay and that's that's i i swear to you that's like 50 percent of what judges are just trying to do like in these competitions you can assume that the judges know more about the law than you do. <laughs> right. So like, they're not asking you questions because they're genuinely interested about the answer. They're asking you questions to throw you off and to make you like drop the ball or say the wrong thing or back you into a corner. I mean, in that way, it's like, you're just doing mental gymnastics for 15 minutes. Like you're, you're being grilled by people who are much more knowledgeable than you, but it is quite fun. Okay. Um, so I'm gonna give, I'm gonna give just a, a little background on how a moot court competition goes, and then explain what this year's problem was. Okay. So for anybody who's interested in doing moot court, I kind of could not more highly recommend it. <laughs> um, oh, wow. I'm so glad to hear that. That's your your takeaway. Me too, because it is it is quite the time suck, and at times it is very stressful. Um, like I got so, so in practice this last week, this was like the second to last practice before I was actually going to be competing. The, the, the thing that you hope will never happen to you happened to me. And I completely blanked out. They asked me a question. I completely blanked out. Couldn't remember what side I was arguing. And then like was so flustered. I almost started crying. Like I was like, oh and this was in a practice with like my oh. classmates, like the, the stakes could not have been lower. Yeah. So, but, but I realized I'm like not selling this very well right now. So, despite that, you still would recommend it. I mean, that's a good, yes. a good testament. Yes. So, um, generally speaking, most moot courts follow the most moot courts follow the um, structure that I'm going to explain right now. So, in this particular, so I was competing in the William and Mary School of Law Spong Moot Court Tournament. Spong is the name of a person everybody asks, so I thought I'd mention it. Okay. Um, also very funny, they sent all the competitors a little gift basket complete oh. with um, a pen, a pad of legal paper, and a William & Mary Spong-branded face mask. So, yes. I'm like, yeah, that's what I want. I want to be walking around with a face mask that just has Spong plastered on the front of it. Oh, my God. Okay. Oh, my gosh. So there were 50 teams competing um, from 36 different law schools across the United States. Everybody who competes does so at least three times. And everybody who competes does both 
an on brief and an off brief argument. So when you register for the competition, you are assigned a side like respondent mm -hmm. or petitioner, um, which at the lower court level would be like plaintiff defendant, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're arguing on brief, you are arguing for the side that you had to write a brief for. So I was, I was assigned respondent. So the, the brief that I submitted for the competition was on behalf of the respondent. So anytime I was arguing as respondent, I was doing so on brief. Okay. The same applies for off brief. When I was arguing off brief, it means I was arguing for petitioner. And also this is a really, it's really hard to transition between the two because when you spend like countless hours doing legal research, trying to figure out why your case for the respondent is gonna be the best, yeah. It's so hard to mentally transition to then representing the opposing party. And that... it also means you have to know the law on both sides. That sounds like the best practice you can get. I mean, you do not do that for the note you're writing for journal. You go real hard on whatever you want to write about. <laughs> so that does sound like a more valuable experience for anyone who would want to be predicting what the, what the, I almost want to say enemy, but what you're opponent that's gonna say you know? totally totally and in that regard it, it is a really useful exercise and <laughs> it occurred to me too that like so so what's funny is that in my circumstance the case law that I ended up using for my on brief actually worked for my off brief argument as well what? it's just like a matter of interpreting the facts ah, so like okay. so we were we were petitioning um we were essentially asking that the court not grant summary judgment, which means we were the non-moving party, which means that all the facts on the record have to be interpreted in the light most favorable to our clients. So I could exploit that until I was blue in the face being like, well, your honor, you know, we don't know that Mr. Hart didn't do this or we don't know blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. And it's just, I realize I'm using a lot of legal jargon right now, but like, when, when, what I'm trying to say is like when you boil it down, it's really about how good of a bullshitter you are. Like really, so oh it's not my just god, rational, yeah. like we, like who has the best argument? No, I mean style. It's like certainly those things go into play, but like I, when I tell you, I use the exact same cases for both my on and off brief. I just like exaggerated one thing more one way than I did the other way. I'm wow. not kidding you. This is why people hate lawyers. This is why this is why people hate lawyers. Yes. This is why I literally was using the same exact facts, oh, but I was just bullshitting better for my client in one regard than the other. So I feel like you like leveled up. Like I feel like you like understand how like law works now in a way that I don't. I kind of do feel like this like allowed yeah. me to level up a little more. Yeah. So let me get back to the the how this works. So I explained on brief and off brief and everybody competes at least three times. And at first your oral argument in your oral argument is weighted at 60% and your brief is weighted at 40%. And then like the further you advance in the competition, the less your brief score is weighted and the higher your oral <coughs> argument is weighted. Ooh, sorry. Is that Mark? Is that Midge? No, that's not Midge. That's Leon. <laughs> Midge is just looking at Leon like, what the fuck? Like, I'm just trying to nap. Okay. Anyway, um, so 
it all kind of boils down to the final, which is two teams who are competing against each other in front of a panel of actual circuit court judges. Oh, <laughs> which is wild. I was watching yeah. last night for the, the the finals, and it was so nerve wracking. In fact, the team that beat me and my my co counsel Riley ended up winning the whole competition. <gasps> yeah. Okay, so you could you're basically in second place. Oh my god, <laughs> hardly. But I mean, they were so good. Oh. So when we were arguing against them, they were so good and they were the, they were arguing petitioner. So they went first and I was just listening to them go. And I remember thinking to myself like, okay, well, we're going to lose this round, but like, I'm not mad at it because they're so good. What could they have done differently than what y'all did though? I mean, so this, this brings me to kind of my next point. So there are schools who compete in these competitions and their oralists dedicate an entire semester to competing. So like, the people that won this competition go to a law school where that's the case. Like these two wow. individuals are not, well, I don't, I don't know this a hundred percent sure, but this is what my coach told me. He said competitors from specific schools, their school being one of them spend an entire semester just doing moot court competitions. Wow. Like they are not in classes. Like they are only oh. drilling on the, on these on these facts, on this, on their oral argument skills. Um, Additionally, a lot of these schools, Elon's in the minority because they don't do this, but a lot of schools have designated brief writers. So they have like one or two people behind the scenes who are like really talented legal writers who will write the brief. Uh And then they send in a different set of people to actually do the arguments. Whereas at Elon, I like I had to be both the oralist and the writer (laughs) of the brief and the argument itself. So I see why the specialization would be good from a competition strategy point of view, but for like a learning exercise, which I feel like is what it should be, then the way you did it is is preferable. Yeah, I, I agree with that. But I mean, some of these people like these accolades mean a lot. Like the guy who I argued against, the one on the team that that ended up winning the whole thing, I like mm-hmm. looked his name up later and he's he's won best oralist at like multiple competitions. Whoa. Yeah, and I mean it shows. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. I, it was it was a pleasure to watch. So that's kind of how how it all goes down. Do you have any questions for me thus far? <laughs> no, I interrupted you and asked them, so Okay, sweet. You're good. You're warming up to the interruption. I like it. So this particular problem um, was kind of a two-part problem, but just in the interest of time, I'm not going to explain the First Amendment claims. I'll just explain the Second Amendment. So um, in this fictional fact pattern, we have um, the, we have a a young man named Jack Hart, who is an 18-year-old high school student. And Last February, um, or pardon me, last March, when everything, when the, when, the world, when the world closed down, he had his class moved completely online. Um, so there, the school is using a streaming platform called Vid, which I think we're, you know, it's, it's, it's Zoom. <laughs> um, <laughs> and Jack Hart was like poised to be the valedictorian of the school. He had like a 4.0 GPA, you know. Basically, he's he's kind of painted to be like an all-American goody two-shoes kind of kind of kind of dude. Mm-hmm. So he's taking a quiz 
um, online and, and per the school's policy, he has to keep his camera on at all times, but he also is a serious student. So he's like, I don't want to be looking at the faces of my classmates when I'm taking this quiz. So I'm going to like keep my camera on, but I'm going to minimize the vid screen. Smart. So his teacher and his classmates could see him taking the quiz, but he couldn't see them. Mm-hmm. So he takes the quiz, he finishes it and he has about 30 minutes to spare. So he's like, oh, okay, the quiz is, you know, not going to be over until two. Let's say it's 1.30. I'm going to go get up, go get some water. He comes back. He comes back into the living room where his computer's open, but his vid screen is minimized. And his dad is in there cleaning his shotgun. Um, And Jack was like, oh, I have some time to spare. I'll clean my shotgun as well. So the two of them are cleaning and checking their guns. And then they finish that, put the guns away. Jack sits back down at his computer, opens up the vid screen, realizes that everybody was watching him and his dad clean their guns. And um, there was a lot of commentary like in, in the chat section that was like, Jack, what the hell? Like, this is so not cool, man. Like, oh, my God. Teacher was so flustered. She, like, canceled class for the rest of the day. Um And also an important thing to note is that Jack and his father in the neighborhood that they were living, there had been like an increase in break-ins. So it's not like they were, this was actually, this was like a pure mistake. And Jack was like pretty embarrassed about the mistake, but Mm. he ended up getting suspended from school for three days because of this. And that's kind of the, the nexus of his second amendment claim. So, okay. The second amendment protects the right to bear arms in defense of hearth and home. Um, And when you're in your own home, your second amendment rights are like the most pure. Mm. Like you, you as an American citizen can own guns in your own home and it's incredibly lawful and it's, it's, it's considered a fundamental right. So not all rights in the constitution are fundamental. Do you want to guess one that's not fundamental that shocks me? Um, Hmm. I, no, I, I don't know. I mean, I think I would be shocked about most of them. Okay. Like the right to an education is not fundamental. Oh, 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 interesting. Isn't okay. that crazy? Oh. Anyway, <laughs> the right to an education is not fundamental, but the right to bear arms is fundamental. So yeah, yeah. know that. Okay, so that's kind of like the setup for this whole thing. And so I am arguing on behalf of Jack Hart, who... He was sued, or I'm sorry, he sued the school district in the district court, and he lost. So then he appealed to the circuit court, and at the circuit court level, he won. So now, Mm. where we are in the problem is that the school district is appealing the circuit court's decision to the Supreme Court, which means that Mr. Hart, my client, is the respondent, and the school district is the petitioner. Okay, and you're reminding me now that moot court is an appellate level competition, whereas a mock trial is a simulation of, like, that first trial. Yes, yes, exactly. Because I I do get those mixed up, but you're reminding me that, like, that is the distinction, and I shouldn't use those interchangeably because it sounds really different. Like, you're pointing to, like, legal mistakes that, like, could have been previously made in in the trial at the trial court of the first appeal. Exactly. Yeah. Like a moot court problem is um, like is more legally complex because there are like different standards of review and Mm -hmm. you're talking about not only the facts, but like the procedural postures and the mistakes that were made at the lower court levels. 
you're trying to highlight mistakes right. that were made or okay. minimize okay. them depending on right. what you're on. Um, so Lydia, yeah, I am going to do my argument. I'm going to kind of, I'm going to like keep it as brief as possible. Um, typically I would have 15 minutes to speak, but that's mm. frankly a long time to listen to these. No, uh, I mean, I, if I remember correctly, you listened to my CivPro for five-year-olds for like literally four or five minutes and my tax law presentation for like four or five minutes. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm here. I'm here for this. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll just go as long as it, I will actually start the timer um, the way that I do in my, in my like real life competition. Um, and I urge you to interrupt me with any question you can think of. Like, do oh, not discriminate. Oh, gosh. Okay. Um, because that's what the judges do. Like I said, they're just trying to throw you off. Okay. Are you ready? Uh, I think so. All right, great. So, Mrs. Chief Justice, and may it please the court, my name is Megan Riley Dries, and my co-counsel... Shit, I just said my full name. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, the anonymity has been blown. All right. I can, I can my name is Megan Riley Dries, and my co counsel Riley and I are going to be arguing on behalf of Mr. Jack Hart, the respondent, in opposition to the petitioner's motion for summary judgment. This case is especially important today because a jurisdictional line that was once drawn at the schoolhouse gate in Tinker has been redrawn during a global pandemic to accommodate virtual learning. Well, exactly. It's just during the pandemic, so this doesn't really matter for the future, right? Well, Your Honor, I appreciate your concern. However, this case could set an important precedent, given that it, it appears that virtual learning could, to a certain extent, be here to stay. Okay. Which, Your Honor, would make the living room now the classroom. We're here to request the petitioner's motion be denied because Mr. Hart's Second Amendment right to bear arms and his first amendment right to free speech were violated. I'm going to be arguing on the issue of the second amendment and my co-counsel on the first. By prohibiting visible guns on camera, the Gun-Free Schools Act ventures far past the schoolhouse gate. We ask this court to affirm the circuit court's holding for two reasons. First, the Gun-Free Schools Act strikes at the core of the second amendment's guarantee. And second, it doesn't pass constitutional muster under either intermediate or strict scrutiny. As written, the Gun-Free Schools Act strikes at the core of the Second Amendment because it restricts the fundamental right to bear arms in defense of hearth and home. This court in District of Columbia v. Heller stated that the need for self-defense is most acute within the home. In that case, the court was looking at whether a District of Columbia code that required citizens who had lawfully obtained firearms keep those firearms bound by a trigger lock and unloaded, whether or not that was constitutional. That court held that it was unconstitutional because it rendered a gun inoperable. And here, Your Honor, the Gun-Free Schools Act has the same effect it renders a gun inoperable when in view of the camera. Well, hold on. What? So you don't have any issue with with the act when it's just applied to the school. You're. It's just Honor, in the home. Yes, Your Honor, you're correct. So the record at page four 
shows us the actual text of the Gun-Free Schools Act, which we remind this court was amended to accommodate virtual learning in a hasty manner, which is understandable because the need to shift online occurred very quickly. The Gun-Free Schools Act um, originally read that there that there was a zero tolerance policy for gun use at school Hmm. here or rather it was amended to include a provision that stated that no visible weapons may be shown on camera while virtual learning was taking place it seems like it would be intimidating just as it used to be in school except that there's no immediate threat seeing it through the camera but but don't you think it could cause fear in other students who have survived trauma or gun violence in their neighborhood, something like that, distract from learning? Well, Your Honor, to your first point, there there was no, in, in this particular case, there is no physical imminent threat. And in that regard, the Gun-Free Schools Act is using a public policy reason to limit what is considered a fundamental constitutional right. So the court in um, United States v. Ferber does acknowledge that the mental health and well-being of children is a compelling state interest. Um, But here, it would be unreasonable to create rules for each individual student's emotional needs. And for that reason, Your Honor, the Gun-Free Schools Act is not narrowly tailored to achieve a compelling state interest, which is required through intermediate scrutiny. Mm. Um, Another example we would point this court to, Your Honor, would be uh, the holding in United States v. Bonnevie, which is a case in which the court applied intermediate scrutiny to determine whether a parking lot adjacent to the United States post office um, could be considered a sensitive space. In that case, the court reasoned that requiring the United States post office to tailor a separate gun policy for each of its diverse customers would present an impossible burden. Here, it would be similarly impossible and therefore considering the emotional needs of students um, during virtual learning and, and tailoring legislation around each individual student's own personal needs or triggers, it, it, it's just not a workable policy, Your Honor. Does a, does a minor have a fundamental right to bear arms if they're not even legally allowed to buy those arms? It seems like the parent's fundamental right to have a gun was not punished. It's just the just the, the minor. Does that change things? Your, um, your Honor, the, the record at page one does tell us that Jack Hart uh, is 18 years old, so he's he's uh, not a minor for that particular reason. I see. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, consider, so this court now needs to consider what level of scrutiny the Gun-Free Schools Act should be considered under. Strict scrutiny is appropriate when a piece of legislation strikes at the core of the the fundamental guarantee, um, which, as our client determined, it the Gun Free Schools Act clearly does because it limits one's ability to bear bear arms within the home. But our client wins even if this court were to apply intermediate scrutiny because the Gun Free Schools Act is not narrowly tailored to achieve a compelling interest, which is the standard for intermediate scrutiny. Mm. In fact. 
the Seventh Circuit Court in Easel v. City of Chicago said that the level of scrutiny to apply should depend on how close to the core of the right you come and how burdensome the law is on that right. Is that Does that circuit court have any persuasive, I mean, is that just persuasive for, over us or which circuit are we in? <laughs> <laughs> we're in the fictitious 14th circuit of white, <laughs> um, okay. but your honor, um, there are multiple circuit courts apply the level of intermediate scrutiny and do end up, um, coming out on the side of the gun owner for, mm-hmm. for example, uh, your honor, the first circuit court in Gould v. Morgan applies intermediate scrutiny, um, when looking at a Massachusetts law that, that mandated a show cause for a concealed carry permit. Um, And that case ended up, or rather that court ended up ruling that the law was constitutional because there was a compelling public interest in in safety. Mm -hmm. And this law was governing conduct that occurred outside the home, given that this was a concealed carry permit. However, Your Honor, the Gun-Free Schools Act governs, governs the Second Amendment rights within the home, inside, not outside. If public safety is the compelling reason behind the Gun-Free Schools Act, then conduct in the home should not be what's driving the public policy argument. But it's just not really the full home. It's just what can be seen on the camera. So isn't that kind of within the student's control? Um, well, Your Honor, no. Mr. Hart might have been a student of a certain circumstance, but the Gun-Free Schools Act fails to consider that there are students who come from multiple different backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Say, for example, there was a student who shared a studio apartment with multiple family members. You know, now, the way the Gun-Free Schools Act is written, Your Honor, if that student were to draw arms in self-defense and it happened to be caught within the view of the camera, they would be in violation and they would be punished Mm -hmm. under the Gun-Free Schools Act. And kind of zooming that out further, you have to consider in this hypothetical situation where you have a student who's sharing a studio apartment with family members, it would, the Gun-Free Schools Act places an incredible burden on that student because now not only do they have to learn during a pandemic, they have to police the actions of everybody else in their home. Hmm. Additionally, having to keep your gun invisible by any means necessary might mean that you have to hide your weapon And so if you're in virtual class six, seven, eight hours a day and you don't have access to your gun, that is, it has the same effect as the trigger lock requirement in Heller, your honor. You you just uh, keep it, you know, at your feet. The camera only gets, you know, waist up. It doesn't seem quite as inoperable. Absolutely, Your Honor. You you are correct in that regard, but the, the way the Gun-Free Schools Act is written, it creates a strict liability situation. So let's say your gun is holstered at your hip, out of view of the camera, mm-hmm. and you are, you are in compliance with the Gun-Free Schools Act. But let's say you have to stand up, and all of a sudden the camera see, catches a glimpse of your gun. You are automatically in violation of the Gun-Free Schools Act. Hmm. Your Honor, for that reason, the Gun-Free Schools Act is not a narrowly tailored piece of legislation. In fact, 
if you were to narrow more narrowly tailor it to perhaps include an intent requirement, it would make the gun free schools act the least restrictive way to achieve a compelling, uh, compelling interest. You know, Mr. Hart is being punished for a mistake that he made. He cleaned his gun on camera within the view of his classmates it stripped him of his rights as valedictorian and he was suspended, which is going to have a negative impact on his future. Um, if the gun free schools act had something like an intent requirement, or alternatively, if the school's policy allowed for students to turn their cameras off at any mm -hmm. point during virtual instruction. I was going to ask about that. Okay. Yeah. So the, so it's the school's policy that, that, cameras must remain on while virtual instruction is taking place. Wow. Um, so Mr. Hart was, his hands were bound. He couldn't turn his camera off, but he also couldn't exercise his constitutional second amendment right to bear arms in defense of hearth and home. Mm. Um, in conclusion, your honor, the gun free schools act doesn't pass constitutional muster because it is seeking to regulate, but it lacks a narrowly tailored approach to do so. For that reason, we ask this court to affirm the appellate court's decision and deny the petitioner's motion for summary judgment. Thank you. Megan, I'm completely convinced. I like, I'm so <laughs> curious to hear the other side because I'm like, yeah, that makes total sense. The other side has such a better argument. And actually, I cut it a little short. We ran about 13 minutes, but um, okay. there are so many, like, you, you asked me some really good questions and if you were an actual judge that had a bench brief in front of you, you would probably have some like really great talking points on some of the case law, but there are like multiple different little like kind of alleyways that they're going to, that they would try to walk you down uh, like different tests that certain courts have applied or like sensitive space exceptions. And I had like counter arguments for all of that laid out, but you got like to the heart of my, of my argument. And so I was able to kind of tell you everything I needed to tell you. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. I, uh, yeah, I guess, uh, yeah. Not knowing enough about like how other courts ruled is, I mean, whenever it's like a first impression kind of thing, it's really tricky, you know, like, I don't well, know. Well, you did a bang up job as a judge. You, you asked me <sighs> questions that almost every single judge asked me. Oh my gosh. Are you serious? I thought yeah. this would be like way too elementary. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Well, the thing was, is the elementary questions like hit you the hardest. Cause it's, I, I'll never forget the first time I was asked, asked, well, couldn't he just keep his gun holstered on his hip? And I'm like, fuck, he could <laughs> like, <laughs> uh. no, not being able to turn the camera off to like stand up. I mean, man, I, I think you had a really great argument. How did they determine the winner? Was it just like whoever had, was it like the judge made their decision based on like their own conscience or, or not conscience, I should say, like based on the arguments presented or is it like whoever was one title of best oralist, their argument also won? I mean, I think that, I think it's more the latter, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. I actually asked my coach, like, do, is the winner the person that the judges would side with if right. they were making a judgment or is yeah. the winner like the team that made, that had the best oral argument? Right. Like the points based kind of competition. I think it's, I think it's more that. Ah, so, so the, so the other side ended up winning. No, ah, well, actually, well, no, 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 no. Um, the other, so the people that, that beat 
that beat us, mm -hmm. they had to argue off brief, I think, for the final. I watched them do it. So they argued oh. the side that I just argued for you. Oh, oh, oh. And they won. Wow. So they're just complete fucking beasts. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, when I, I was listening to them make their argument and like the way that they did the Second Amendment was totally different than the way I did it. And uh -huh. I'm not I'm not saying theirs was like better, but they made points that I didn't even think of. And like, like I argued that the Gun Free Schools Act could pass strict and intermediate scrutiny and they conceded that it wouldn't pass strict scrutiny, but it would pass intermediate scrutiny. Uh -huh. And just like all these different like really like stylistic changes that they made i was i was very impressed can people like in the public just like tune in and watch these competitions or like only the participants so um only the participants for okay. all of the preliminary rounds but actually william and mary live streamed the final oral <gasps> argument um so you could watch it and you could see the people that kicked my ass <laughs> oh my they gosh so i good. kind of want to if it's recorded i'm just curious like I will, I will send you the link. Okay. Yeah. And like, you can fast forward. Um, I mean, both teams did an amazing job. In fact, the, the, the team that made it to the final, but didn't win was the winner of Elon's moot court competition in the fall. Oh my gosh. Wait, the one that you were the judge for? Yes. Or I wasn't a judge. I was a clerk. I hosted the, oh, oh, the room, but yeah. Oh my gosh. Cool. Yeah. That's so um, cool that you're part of this network of people who did this. Right? <laughs> it is kind of cool. All right. I'm I'm sending you the link to the William and Mary thing now. Okay. Sweet. Um, yeah, it's just the Spong Tournament 2021 final round and awards. Spong. Spong. <laughs> yes. Hell yeah. Wow, Megan, thank you for sharing that on the podcast. I feel like that was like really what we had envisioned for this podcast. And now a year and a half in we've done it <laughs> we've done it you Mate. really sounded like a real attorney like i'm so impressed thank but you that was like a very I, I felt like i was kind of being rocky about it but i appreciate the feedback yeah i i, I don't know any better I, I was like whoa you know you're throwing out words i learned last year that i haven't thought about since like i don't know what it means strict like to pass i like forgot you sounded so confident you knew all these cases <laughs> yeah amazing. you could roll with any question that's very I mean I feel like maybe that's like different than it's definitely a level up from like high school debate because you're not just like doing your rehearsed argument because when you said you were practicing and practicing I kind of thought it would be like a rehearsed thing but the fact that people can just interrupt you anytime with any kind of questions just to throw you off is so scary it is yeah and like I have I, when I'm talking to you, I had like all of that memorized. Like what? <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, I have a little one sheet that has like just bullet points of like, like with one or two words in case I like kind of lose track. But like for any of the cases I dropped, it's like I had just one word to remind me of the case, but like I had all of that stuff memorized. Oh my gosh. You're yeah. Amazing. Yeah. You got to kind of live and breathe it for about a week, but it's, mm. it is fun once you get going. Yeah. Yeah. That was a treat. I think that was a great way. See, it's like, look, we missed last week, but we made up for it this week. Got a long episode, but it's good shit. That's right. That is right. <laughs> it's the good stuff. Well, all right, my friend. We've been talking quite a bit today. This is a long-ass episode. Maybe our longest. <laughs> um, well, you know, it's my spring break, so I don't care. 
Hell yeah. <laughs> and it's my, my, my COVID quarantine break. There you go. Hey. <laughs> Have fun with your dogs and enjoy not having to do a competition anymore. Thank you. Yes. All right. Talk to you next week. Hell yeah. Bye, All listeners. Right. Bye, Megan. Bye, listeners. Bye, Lydia.